The key takeaway from this conversation is we know the vaults are being depleted. Where is it going? Good morning, everyone. I'm Vince Lancey. This is the Arcadia Economic Silver Fix. I'm Vince Lancey. This will be broadcast at 1 p.m. We're recording at 8.48 in the a.m. in preparation. Uh, You can see what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to talk about the vault a little bit. Uh, We're going to move into something exclusive, premiered here for you guys, and then thrown up on Goldfix. And then we'll have a quick market comment. Let's get going. Okay, before we get started, uh, I want everyone to uh, subscribe and like, as they say in the YouTube world. And anyone who signs up, and you want to do this because of what we're going to show you today. Anyone who signs up for uh, Goldfix for two week, for will get two weeks free premium subscription. Now, the reason you want to do that is because we're going to go through the article here that I haven't even posted yet so Arcadia people can see it first because it's about silver and that's what we care about the most. The second reason is Within about a week's time, I'm going to do a write-up or a deeper analysis of this work, and uh, you need to have premium uh, to be able to see it. So I'm offering you that now. Subscribe for free, uh, and uh, I'll throw two weeks uh, premium at you to make sure you can see this. That's what I want to do for everyone here. Anyway, so here we are, premiering, exclusive, nowhere else. We're going to go through an article written by someone I collaborate with. I call him a colleague now, uh, Bai Xiaojun, who's getting pretty popular on Twitter. Um, I like to think our collaborations are at least a part of that. Uh, He's, uh, we'll just say for now, he's an expert. He has expertise uh, in precious metals. And we've collaborated before. I wrote a lot about silver supply chain. Much of that content came from conversations with Bai. And here's a piece that he wrote standalone on the uh, the Bai, uh, on the silver demand in China. Remember, I was doing all those pieces on, on the history of silver in China. And that's, you know, when we connected. Anyway, so he's back with a new piece that came out on July 26th. Uh, but I've been kind of reading it uh, and translating it and untranslating it and retranslating it. Uh, so uh, he sent it in English, but I wanted to look at some things differently. Okay, so let's let's get to that. Before we get to the article, well, leading into the article, the vault. Now, you may remember last week we talked about the vault and how it remains one of the most important things. It is the most important thing for us to look at that we can see on a daily or repeated basis. What's becoming harder is to get fresh information out of it. And by that, I mean the vault strained, it's hit a bottom, and unless it goes to zero, that information isn't really helping us. It's just going chopping back and forth. And it's significant, don't get me wrong, but there's no fresh information coming out of it unless it goes to zero or unless it climbs back up to infinity. Uh, So we talked last week about flow and stock, you know, when when uh, uh, the, the, the vault is a snapshot, uh, the, the life of silver is a movie, right? And the snapshot mattered so much 
when silver wasn't moving around, when no one cared about it. Well, now it's out of frame, right? It's literally out of frame. So what we need to know is if that was the supply, we need to know where the demand is pulling it. Where's it going? And these are conversations that I've had with Bai, uh, formally and informally. And, uh, you know, he just put on his logistics shoes because that's one of his expertise areas. And he went out and did a long, uh, thorough paper on it. And uh, I'm going to summarize it for you here, just a summary, and we'll scroll through a little bit and I'll show you where to get it uh, when I post it online. So the vault, right, we're from the vault, which represents supply. Leaving the vault represents demand. We know that. But where the hell is it going? Well, is it going for coins? Is it going to some sort of BRICS monetary thing? That was a, a serious question for me. I asked him, where is this going? Is this really all solar? And is this really all industrial is really what I said. And uh, he said it might be. And so he looked into it. I was looking to see if they had demand for uh, coins like we do. And, and mind you, they do. This will come out. This will come out that the company that's buying them is a conglomerate. You know, like the Japanese had Kuritsu's. The U.S. have monopolistic corporations. This is, you know, your Chinese conglomerate. So let's let's go into that. Uh, I'm going to show you this. So this is translated by him to English, right? So deep sea Mosasaur and the precious metals market, China buy. That's how he signs things, right? If you, those of you who are familiar, Mosasaur is uh, uh, like probably the biggest animal that ever lived. Uh, lived in the oceans. The thing that comes up at the end of Jurassic Park 2 and eats the T-Rex, I think it's Jurassic Park 2. You know, when it comes out of the water, it's a great scene. Anyway, it, they're huge. There's a picture of one in here too as well. I think he's being a little bit humorous, but I also think he's being pretty genuine in terms of how big they are. All right, so here's the paper. Here's a couple of links. Here's my background. And I'll say this again, Buy's piece is very timely. Why? Because silver is transforming into a flow commodity now after spending years as a stock. When I say stock, think inventory, right? We all know the metal is leaving the vaults now and are watching for the day they are actually empty, right? I mean, we're hoping for that. It may not happen. What matters next is where is it going and for what purpose? To answer that, you have to have industry familiarity and logistics knowledge. Fortunately, Buy has both of these and picked up the we have to look at the demand side now by concept from our previous conversations and ran with it. Uh, I can only interpret what he has found out and covering much for us to digest. Here's the actual article. I encourage you to follow him on Twitter and it's very long. Uh, the graphics are not gonna help English speakers because they're in Chinese, but I will get to the bottom of that and we'll get those translated uh, for us uh, uh, soon. He actually has taken some of the graphics and put the English translation next to them. So uh, he's uh, accommodating his uh, English speaking brethren. Right? We appreciate that. It's very current, July 25th. Remember his first piece was going back to demand through 2020. Now he's very current. You know, that was his, that's history. This is present day shit. This is important. All right. Uh, talks about many things. I'm going to scroll through this. And while I'm scrolling through it, I'm going to read something. I wrote a very dry newspaper-like thing here. It's not my analysis. It's just a, a recap. The article conveys a comprehensive analysis of the current state of the Chinese silver market, highlighting its dominant position in global silver production. 
consumption and trade. China's annual consumption of silver has reached remarkable levels, making it the world's largest importer and exporter of silver. Valet Asset Management, one of the company he discusses here, stands out as a major player in the precious metals industry, holding significant physical gold and silver reserves for the private sector. Bai then delves into the historical background of China's silver market, tracing its evolution from a planned economy to a market-oriented system. I need to discuss that with him. This is ideological. Anyway, we're not going to have that conversation now. China, I may, may be mispronouncing it, China Chengtong Holdings Group Limited uh, emerges as a key player in the silver supply chain, and it's with its subsidiary China Gongmei, Gongmai supply chain playing a vital role as the only designated delivery vault on the Shanghai Gold Exchange. Chengtong PM, PM meaning precious metals, prowess extends beyond supply chain operations as it engages in cutting edge research on precious metals materials, contributing to China's advancements in various industries such as aerospace, new energy, and high-end alloy materials. Quick comment about that comment. In the past, just think with your American bias. In the past, things that weren't that complicated or that technologically advanced were made in China, right? We had the pieces made there. We had the technology made here. We put it together. So it's kind of like, kind of like, we'll let them make the shoelaces. You know, uh, we'll put them in the sneakers over here. And that was part of the intellectual capital thing. Uh, and that's how Americans looked at it. You know, you had your less expensive stuff made there you had your more complicated stuff made here and that's that's not a comment on china that's a comment on any economy that's trying to lift itself out of 50 years of a disaster that they went through and you do that by making things simple you do that by taking whatever work the world will give you they took it and then that's the supply chain right they're they're you know putting rivets in they're, you know, doing the doing the manual labor, doing the stuff that's not that that's not going to be outsourced right away, right? Americans, we don't want to put rivets in; we're too good for that. Well, let's give it to China; they'll do it for us. Kind of like picking grapes when you import South Americans to do that for you because you don't want to pick your own grapes. Okay, so what happens is eventually your economy gets to a critical mess, and you realize that there's more money in other parts of the supply chain. Putting the rivets in makes you a little bit of money, right? But but this part of supply chain called the value added or the value chain is where you want to be if you're going to grow into an economic power. This is important because China's following this process and it's there, you know, there's a lot they're doing wrong, but there's a lot everyone's doing wrong. But this is what they're doing right. They're going into the value chain now. They're 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 making the paste. They're building the machines. You know, they want the technology. They want to make the part of the finished product that adds the intellectual capital and value. And that's their economy, what it's transformed into. And these guys, Cheng Tong, are at the forefront of that. They're like a NASA in that sense. Okay, so where was I? Going off, but this is important. Like, that's why I don't doubt this shit. These guys are moving up the supply chain into the value area chain. There's only one part of silver that they don't dominate in yet, and they don't have any exposure at all, but that's the point. They have no exposure until they have some, and that area is in actually creating powder. And uh, there's probably some, you know, very sensitive secrets 
uh, or, or uh, complexities that they're working their way around now. But they tend to go into an area of the supply chain, learn it, assimilate it, dominate it, and then move to another place. And they're probably going to be going into the powder manufacturer uh, next. Anyway, so despite its dominance in the silver market, the article cautions that Chengtung PM's vast reach also exposes it to potential vulnerabilities. Factors such as silver deposit depletion, um, geopolitical tensions, or market shocks could disrupt the supply chain and lead to a silver crisis with far reaching implications for the global market. So Chengtung as a company is a potentially risky investment because if they haven't secured their, or they haven't secured their supply so they can add the value in the value chain, well, that's a problem. Uh, but that's not a problem if you're a silver bull, right? Okay. Additionally, the company takes on the role of an investment and asset managing entity, holding a significant portion of China's private gold and silver reserves. Ah. There's your clue. So while on the surface of it, these guys are buyers of silver for industry, they're also buyers of silver for investment. These guys are a monster, right? This, this firm is everything. This firm, and remember, this is an authoritarian, state-controlled government, uh, 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 market, market economy, I should say, right? And that means if you think JPM is doing what the government says they're doing, says to do, if you think, you know, Apple takes its orders on occasion from the U.S., what do you think is going on with Chen Tong? Anyway, so that's the point. Here's the whole article. I want you guys to read this, okay, because this is where it's going out of the vault. It's going to a company that gives some to aerospace, that gives some to solar, that makes panda coins. These guys make the panda coins. Okay, so this is it. This is the government. This is, this is. I mentioned a phrase the other week called uh, corporatism. This is corporatism. This is corporations and governments uh, working together with labor as part of the uh, puzzle. Anyway, so that's it. This is something that I want you to understand that the key part of the key takeaway from this conversation is we know the vaults are being depleted. Where is it going? Well, I'll tell you where it's going. In China, anyway, it's going to a company that, do they make coins? Yeah. Do they sell coins? Yeah. Do they hold investment assets? Yeah. Do they, what else do they do? Well, they do everything. They do everything. This is a Chinese currency. Okay. So uh, let's go to the market comment. And here we go. This is the weekly, right? And let me bring this down a little bit. So in the weekly, remember, this is our, this is our, um, this is our final boss, right? I want to tell you in a cautious way, two things. One, this is the time of year that if everyone's long silver, they start to get out. If everyone's short silver, they also start to get out. But right now, most of the smaller money, everyone meaning the fun side, most of the smaller money is long silver. So while it obviously could go into and break that final boss thing, I'm expecting the final boss to be tested in November, in November. Why November? Because that's when you'll start seeing more coins. That's when you'll see people start shopping for Christmas. And the rollover from summer through fall, which is a liquidation as people get ready for the end of the year, meets with buying. And you'll see this, you know, here's here it is, September, October, boom, November, up, right? 
uh, September, October, boom. Now, of course, we went down again, but you're going to get an initial boost after September, after October. Usually, it's almost always bankable in November. So for that to happen, we have to sell off first. And I want you to understand that. So don't be disappointed on a day-to-day -day basis. Here's something else I want you to, I want, I want you to take away. China thinks like we do. We look at the silver price day-to-day. -day. It frustrates us. It makes us annoyed. And we say, that's not reality. That's not reality. And no one listens to us. They think, you know, you're an idiot. That's the price. The price is the price. The price is the price. And that's the neo-Keynesian concept, right? But news for you, when the BRICS launches, if, if is the word, right? But when the BRICS launches their food for gold program, which I wrote about this week, yesterday, actually, in a premium piece, you'll see that if you sign up. They also changed how they're going to value gold. They're not valuing gold on the day-to-day -day price. They're valuing gold on a moving average, the average price over the last six months, the average price over a year. Why? Because they don't want to get spoofed anymore. China and the rest of the world and Russia are reacting to manipulation by not looking at price on a day-to-day -day basis, which is what you guys, what we all have been feeling. Price on a day-to-day -day basis doesn't matter. Price matters over a long period of time. Price on a day-to-day -day basis does not reveal value. Price reveals vulnerability by smaller, weaker players. It does not reveal value. So I want you to say that you're in good company. There is a mentality, economically in good company, right? You don't want them invading. There is a mentality in the world. You're not alone. We're not alone. There are people out there that say, wait a minute. On day-to-day -day basis, it keeps getting manipulated. We want to look at it in the long run. So China and Russia are going to do deals. The BRICS are going to do deals where gold is used to settle the deal, but it's not today's price. It's the average price of last year. And that insulates them from spoofing. You know what's going to come next? Silver. Silver is going to be in this. I've been saying this for a year. It's coming. Just hang in there. Bulls can look at that as a bull flag on a weekly and say they want to get long above a certain price. And I would not disagree with them. So how about this? How about this? This is spot silver. I would speculate long above 25, 26, 90. I would not be getting long right now. I know this is a bull flag and that's a channel. I'm not playing that game. I'm looking at this. I'm looking at sideways to lower because I'm going to mortgage the house and, uh, and buy in November. That's it. Have a great day. I'm Vince. Well, thank you, Vince, as always, for today's update. Great to get his perspective on the markets, especially digging into what's happening on the Chinese side of the equation. I know he's been talking with Bai Zhaojun quite a bit lately, which has been helpful to put some details on the situation there. So hopefully you found this one helpful and would also like to thank BlackRock Silver, who brought us today's episode. BlackRock obviously advancing its Tonopah West project, which is its flagship asset. In 2022, BlackRock did release their maiden resource estimate, also did some step-out drilling one kilometer to the northwest of their DPB resource, which increased the strike length and is also going to give them the basis for an updated resource later this year. And additionally, that gave them some more information to update their geological model, which will be the basis of the next drilling program, which will infill the northwest step-out area. Of course, that's in addition to their Silver Cloud project, 
where they did hit some impressive gold and silver grades last year in their drilling program, 70 grams per ton gold, 600 grams per ton silver, over 1.5 meters. They recently got their drilling program at Silver Cloud underway, and that is ongoing now. Of course, this is also in addition to their lithium discovery that they found at their Tonopah North location, where they partnered with Tierlac Resources, who will be funding all of the drilling efforts that are ongoing and have brought back some significant lithium results so far. And you can find out more about all of this at blackrocksilver.com. And it's great to see that they continue to move their projects forward and have been having some good success, especially with drilling ongoing and more drilling at Tonopah West later this year. So thanks to BlackRock for making today's episode possible. Hope you're all having a great day out there and I will see you again tomorrow.